What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of High on Infinity. In today's episode, we recap a crazy college football weekend, preview the upcoming NFL season, and we have college football pick on week two. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 that time of week again, y'all. Welcome to High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I'm your host, Jacob Knight. Like always, your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back. we got a great episode lined up for you today. I know for the past couple of weeks, I've been talking strictly football, but you know, if football or sports is not your thing, just hang in there because next week uh, we have, uh, I'm going to talk about some, you know, the other stuff I'll talk about, like comic book, movies, video games, because next week um, it is coming out, and I'm going to see that, and I'm going to have a review for y'all for next week's episode. But in this week's episode, we're going to recap this crazy college football weekend. I'm not going to recap every single weekend of college football. I'm only doing this one because it's the, it was the first full weekend back. And a while, to, you know, there was a good games, upsets, all that stuff going on. So I'm only going like, to recap the previous weekend of college football only, like I said, crazy. If a crazy upset happens or a really good game happens, I'll just come on here and just recap and give y'all my thoughts about it. But diving into college football, like I said, it was the first full week of college football and recap some of the high points. First off, we're going to shout out my alma mater, Troy University. They defeated Campbell University 43 14 for the first one under our new head coach, Chip Lindsey. But diving into the bigger, the powerhouses of the of college football. The top dog handled their business as usual. Clemson manhandled Georgia Tech Thursday. They won 52-14, to if you take away from that game. Trevor Lawrence really didn't have a good game. He threw two interceptions and only passed about 170 yards. And I saw the stat sheet, and I was like, like, can I rescind my Heisman pick from Trevor Lawrence? But it also helped that Travis Etienne, the running back, rushed for over 200 yards, including a 90-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. And I wrote down, I was like, is, is ETN, is he a sneaky? I think he's a sneaky Heisman contender if he, if he continues to do good. Because he was really good last year as well. He was the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. He had 18 touchdowns. And he had a pretty good playoff run too. But his performance in the championship game was overshadowed by Trevor Lawrence's performance. And a the team they they met in the, in the title game last year, Alabama, they handled their business. They blew out Duke. But Alabama did look sloppy. I'm just doing it from a... An objective, you know, an objective view because I'm an Auburn fan. I'm not hating on Alabama, but it did look a little sloppy in the first couple drives, and they did fumble the ball. I want to say in their first or second possession, they had a turnover, but it was just probably because of rust. Because you know, there's no preseason in college football, so the first time this is the first meaningful snap these boys have taken since January, so about nine months. But Tua did, you know, once. You know, once he got to the rhythm, he did have four touchdown passes, and Georgia handled their business against Vanderbilt Saturday night. And there was a lot of debuts from uh, transfer players as well Saturday. He had Justin Fields making his debut for Ohio State, the former Georgia quarterback. He had five total touchdowns against Florida Atlantic. The four, uh, the other former Georgia quarterback, Jacob Eason, he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns for Washington. And the debut, everybody was everybody was hyped about was a Jalen Hurts debut for Oklahoma, the former Alabama quarterback. And I don't know why he did. He did pretty good. Um, I, I think that since, since he's at OU now to have a more physical uh, team offensively because they've been more, you know, finesse with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And, and I, and what I liked about uh, Lincoln Riley, he catered the offense to, to fit Jalen's skill set. So, 
You know, don't expect for him to throw for, what, 500 yards and five touchdowns. But they're probably going to lead the Big 12 in rushing this year. So expect a lot of read option and called quarterback runs. But he did have over 300 yards passing and 160 yards rushing. And I know I told you my Heisman pick last week was Trevor Lawrence. But since this is my podcast, I can do what I want. I rescind my Heisman pick. And from now... From now on and moving forward, I have Jalen Hurts winning the Heisman. Yes, I'm going to hitch my hitch my wagon to the Jalen Hurts Heisman bandwagon, and we're going to ride it to the wheels fall off. Uh, the reason why I wanted to switch because <clears throat> uh, I, I feel like Jalen Hurts can have that like that Cam Newton, Tim Tebow type Heisman year, you know, where he's doing it both running and passing because both of them, um, I think Cam Newton had like 50 touchdown passes. The year, not 50 touchdown passes, 50 total touchdowns the year he won the Heisman. And Tebow, uh, when he won the Heisman, he was the first player to think to run for 20 and pass for 20 touchdowns. I think Jalen Hurts could fit that. I think he's going to have at least 40 total touchdowns this year. And he has the big stage to do it. He has against Oklahoma, the Big 12. I mean, he, he could do it against Texas in the Big 12 title game. And he has better him at the end of the year. So those are three big stages where he can shine. And make a run at the Heisman. And there was a lot of upsets this past weekend. A few of the major upsets. We had Georgia State over Tennessee. Georgia State was a 25-point underdog entering that game, and they won 38-30, and they also received almost a million dollars for the game. Another upset was Wyoming versus Missouri. It was Kelly Bryant's debut to transfer from Clemson. Uh, Bryant had a good debut. He had over 400 yards passing in the game, but uh, I think... Wyoming got out to a double-digit lead real early and never, you know, gave it up. So they lost that game 37-31. And also, uh, uh, the upset I called last week on the college football pick'em was Boise State over Florida State. Uh, it wasn't looking good earlier. I want to say uh, Boise State was down 31-16 at halftime. And I was like, oh, man, this pick ain't looking good for me. But they did hold Florida State, Florida State scoreless in the second half. And Boise State did score the last 20 uh, points in the game. And they were also led by a true freshman quarter, true freshman quarterback. But most people wasn't really surprised that Boise State won because, you know, Boise State's a powerhouse in college football. They're not like the Alabama or the Clemson's, like they're winning national titles. But they're being a lot of big-name schools for them being a small a small conference school. And then we're, But for now, we're going to get into the game of the weekend Auburn versus Oregon. This is a very very early contender for game of the year, in my opinion. Uh, the game came down to the last final seconds, and after watching that game, I sat back and I was like, man, Justin Herbert's the real deal. He was making NFL-level tight throws. Oregon's offense was clicking on all cylinders to begin with. The defense was roughing up, roughing up Auburn's young true freshman quarterback, confusing him with exotic blitzes and stuff. And they was combating Auburn's pass rush, with short intermediate passes, and they was and they was uh having you know the the usual up speed tempo. You know once they hike the ball, they snap it. Uh, that he runs about five six yards. Once he gets down, they're back in the line and doing it again. But Oregon's downfall was a mistakes. Oregon's downfall was a mistakes where it counted the most because on two consecutive drives, the first drive they had a drop touchdown pass, and uh, in that same drive. Uh, the kicker missed the field goal. Then on the the next drive, Oregon was driving again. I think it was on their, 
It was on like their, it was like on the nine or ten yard line, and then they fumbled the exchange between the running back and the quarterback, and Auburn picked it up and almost ran it for a touchdown. And also, we'll listen to the analysts after the game. They said Oregon played too conservative in the second half, and they didn't take as many downfield shots because when I think about it, I don't remember um, Oregon throwing it deep. I think like I can see their deep pass, you know, some twenty yards or. Further, and I really don't remember that they were, you know, doing like I said, short intermediate passes, taking it for long runs. But I don't remember Oregon, you know, trying, you know, trying to throw in the ball deep. Because my opinion, uh, Auburn's secondary is probably the weakest link on the defensive side of the of the football. But now on Auburn's end, um, the MVP of the game was the defense holding ho- holding Oregon's high powered offense scoreless for about the last quarter and a half in a key fourth down stop on fourth and one and a three and out on Oregon's last two drives. And we're going to talk about Auburn's two freshman quarterback, Bo Nix. You know, it wasn't, I could be objective. It wasn't the best game I saw by a quarterback, but a team, but he did step up when the team needed him the most. That fourth down conversion on fourth and three and the game when a touchdown pass. I remember I was watching the game. I was standing up and, um, and he started running on a fourth down. I was like, what are you doing? And he dove and he just barely got it by the nose of the football. I was like, okay, then okay. He showed real poise in the pocket on that final game-winning drive. But get to, to some of the, the good and the bad with Bo Nix. Or or put the good and the bad slash improvements. Um, the good is he was, he's very elusive in the pocket. He was more mobile than I thought he was. He has a good arm, arm on him. And he has good pocket awareness because I think he was only sacked once the entire game, and I think he went over the locker room with that last uh, drive for the game when it touchdown. Some of the improvements I feel like Bo Nix need to make is I feel like every time he dro- he dropped back to throw the ball, he was, he was looking for that big play, like that big forty-five to fifty-yard throw downfield, and which resulted him in the you know the scrambling and making bad choices with the football. You know if the play's not there, not there because he drops back is like okay. The big, the big play's not there. He's covering. Let me, let me run around, try to, you know, until he's open to throw it to him. Because Gus was drawing up some good plays. But I felt like if Bo Nix would have just read through his progressions, he would have, you know, he could have just dunked it off for, you know, just just some gain. Because to me, you know, a four or five-yard gain, gain is better than throwing an interception. So just read through his progressions a little bit more. He has to improve on that. And sometimes you got to take what the defense gave you. Like I said, you know, the, if they're not giving up the the, pat, the, the long ball, just, you know, dug it down to your running back, your tight end, your receiver, you know, just whoever's open. And, you know, just better decision-making. decision, decision making. He threw two terrible interceptions. The first one, I didn't really, you know, he it was still his fault, but I really wasn't that mad about it because he was a true freshman quarterback. So I was like, you know, I'm, I, I was just waiting on him to mess up. And he threw it behind the receiver. The receiver did have a hand on it, but since it was behind him, he wasn't able to get both hands. And it ricocheted off his hand and the DB. And the DB picked it off. And the second interception was totally his fault. He underthrew the ball. He Yeah, he underthrew the receiver completely. And, you know, the DB just, you know, stopped and just caught it. So that was a, you know, like I said, just better decision making. And, and probably put some more... Uh, put some more uh, distance on the ball because some of the throws were were underthrown, even the game when it touched down. But like I said, like I said, this this is a true freshman quarterback. He's what eighteen, nineteen. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, he was wet behind any wet behind the ears, breath smelling like Similax. Uh, last year around this time, he was just throwing he was throwing the ball against high school defenses. So you know, it's just, it's just, it's his first game, so. Let's calm down, you know. Let's give this man a few more games to see what he's really all about. But I think he's gonna be 
he's going to be a good he's going to be a good quarterback. Well, like I say, he's going to make those true freshman mistakes like he did. But now he has a few game. He, you know, he has a few games to get the offense under him until they start SEC play. But like I said, I think he could be a, a good quarterback if he just improve on those little aspects like decision making and reading through his progressions. And I think he'd be a good quarterback in the SEC. Now let's transfer it to the pros and preview the upcoming NFL season. Okay, so the NFL season returns Thursday when the Chicago Bears take on the Green Bay Packers. And over the course of the next couple of segments, we're going to preview both conferences, the AFC and the NFC, preview all the divisions, division winners, and playoff teams. And at the end, predict the MVP and the Super Bowl. Starting off with the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You could say the Pittsburgh Steelers probably lost the two best players in the offseason with running back Le'Veon Bell and wide receiver Antonio Brown, but he still got a productive running back in James Conner. And now Juju Smith-Schuster is the number one receiver. And how will he adapt with all the coverage aimed towards him now? But they do got two young receivers with James Washington and Dante, and Dante Moncrief they got in the offseason. And other weapons such as uh, Samuels, the running back, and Vance McDonald, the tight end. And the defense should get better with additions of Devin Bush, the first-round pick out of Michigan, and Mark Barron, the free agent safety they got over the offseason. And with Big Ben still play at a high level? I think he will, but he has to cut down on those unnecessary interceptions. Next team in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, the key to the, the team success this season to me is Lamar, Lamar Jackson's throwing. Because last year he averaged 17 rushes a game, which he can't be relied on, you know, because, you know, come on, what quarterback – He's going to take it 20 times a game running it. So he has to get better at throwing the ball and probably cut down the rushes to about, I say, between 8 to 10 attempts a game if necessary. And he has the additions of Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards in the backfield to help him with the rushing. And, and the run game is still going to be good. They do got young receivers such as Willie Sneed and Hollywood Brown, the first-round draft pick this past year. And the defense is still going to be good with the addition of Earl Thomas from the Seahawks, but they lost – Arguably one of the best linebackers in the league with Clint Mos uh Clint Mosley um going to the Jets in the offseason. And then the Cincinnati Bengals under new head coach Zach Taylor, former Rams quarterback coach. You have Andy Dawn coming back. He's been good, but not great the past couple of years. He's been injured the past couple of seasons. And you still have AJ Green, but he's gonna miss the first few games with a leg injury. But he to me, he's still a top ten receiver. And you have Mixon and Bernard, a good one two punch in the backfield. And you have the tight end Tower Efer coming back off a of foot injury from last year. But lastly the Cleveland Browns. Probably the most talked about team uh during the offseason with additions to Odell Beckham Jr. Kareem Hunt. Uh, when he comes back suspension to help boost the offense. And with those two additions, they have one of the best offenses in the league. You had those two with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Antonio Callaway, and T. Higgins. And the defense is going to be great also because they got Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Denzel Ward, and the rookie Greedy Williams. And to me, the key to the Brown season is can they manage all these personalities? Can a coach do that? It's a tall task, but... We'll see, can they get it done? And with the division winner in the AFC North, I I just chose the Steelers for some reason. I think the Steelers are going to win because I don't I don't feel like Cincinnati is going to do nothing this year and Baltimore may take a step back. And with the Browns, they got all the pressure. So this is the perfect time for the Steelers to sneak up and steal the division uh, this year. The next, we're going to look into the AFC South 
with the Houston Texans. To me, the Texans are that team that has all the talent, but they're just missing something. And I just can't put my finger on it. They got one of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league in Deshaun Watson and the top three receiver, in my opinion, in DeAndre Hopkins. And the main key to this season is protect Deshaun Watson. I have that in caps in my notes is they got to take Deshaun Watson this year. He was sacked the most uh, last year um, in the NFL, but they did buff up the offensive line. They signed Tunsil, who was a first round pick out of, out of Miami. And another key to the se- season is the health of their secondary receivers, such as um, Fuller and Kiki Cutie. But it did buff up the receiving core to help DeAndre Hopkins uh, by trading for Kenny Stills from Miami. Also in that trade with Tunsil. And they bring back a great defense with Watt, Cunningham, and Merciless at linebacker. But they did trade Jadavian Clowney to Seattle. So that might be a, a minor loss. But they also lost their running back with Mar Miller, who tore his ACL in the preseason game. But they did replace it with Duke Johnson in the trade from Cleveland. And also, Honey Badger will be a huge loss to their secondary for the Texans. Next is the Indianapolis Colts. At uh, the end of the regular season last year on a nine on a nine and one stretch, making the playoff, the left retirement is leaving Jacoby Bursett at quarterback. And they have great offensive weapons to support Jacoby Bursett, such as Marlon Mack at running back, and you have Hines as his backup. You have T.Y. Hilton, who's still a productive receiver. And to me, you have a two-headed monster and tight end and Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. And have one of the best offensive line in the NFL uh, last year. I think last year, uh, Andrew Lockman was sacked 18 times. But they're bringing back a great defense with Leonard and the addition of Justin Houston to bump up, to bump up the defensive line. I, I originally had the Colts winning this division, but now it's just well, it was before Andrew Luck retired. So they're probably looking at maybe 7-9, and 8-8 and eight possibly. The next team in the AFC South we're going to look at is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have the addition of Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. And offensively, the key is Leonard Fournette's health because now that TJ Yeldon has gone as his backup, he needs to stay healthy in order the Jaguars to succeed. And they have a group of young receivers, and and we'll know how good they are now that Foles is their QB instead of Blake Bortles. And you know the defense is going to bring it one, by being one of the best units in the NFL. And lastly, we're going to look at the Tennessee Titans. One of the keys is will Mariota get over that hump because he struggles with the deep ball throughout his career. And, and, and can Derrick Henry keep up the momentum from the end of last year? Because last year was just him and Deion Lewis trading handoffs, but he had a strong last quarter of the season. So I assume that he's going to he's gonna uh, take over as a starting running back. And can the offense take a next step as a whole? They have Corey Davis, who's a good receiver, and they added Adam Humphreys in the offseason to the slot to help Mariota. And can Mariota finally take that next step in his NFL career and be one of the best of the best quarterbacks in the league? And with the division winner in this one, like I said, I originally had the Colts until Luck retired. And after that, I picked the Texans. They they probably they had the best quarterback in the division, the best receiver in the division, probably beside Jacksonville, one of the best defenses in the division, and probably the best all-around team in the division as well. So to me, the Texans, this is their division to lose this year. Next, we're going to look into the AFC East. Um, with New England Patriots. They're the returning Super Bowl champs. You have Tom Brady who's still playing at a high level at the age of 42. And, of course, they lost Gronk in the offseason for retirement, but they're still formable, formable offensively. You have a great running back deal with James Wine and Sony Michelle. You have Edelman at receiver. You also have White coming out of the backfield to catch passes. And you have the return, return of Josh Gordon, which is going to be good for them. Uh, also, next is the New England Jets with two big additions in the offseason with 
a Clinton Mosley and Le'Veon Bell from the Steelers. Uh, Bell will be a great help to Sam Darnold. He'll work as a safety blanket, you know, with the run, with the ability to run and catch out the backfield. In addition to Mosley on the defense, will buff it up. Uh, the buff will buff the defense as well to help uh, safety Jamal Adams. And next is the Buffalo Bills. The key to this season for the Bills is probably Josh Allen's uh, progression. They got help with him at receiver by getting John Brown from the Ravens. And you also have Cole Beasley in the slot they got from the Cowboys to help him on the short intermediate passes. They had great dip their running back with um with with Yeldon and Frank Gore, but they but they they just they just need for nobody to retire a halftime like they did last year. And next is the Miami Dolphins. To be honest, I'm sorry if you're Miami Dolphins fans. I I don't got nothing for you this season. All I got is who's the quarterback? Fitzpatrick or Rosen? They they announced they announced Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. And they got Brian Flores from the Miami Dolphins, from the New England Patriots, uh, their former defensive coordinator. Uh, so I'm sorry, I couldn't think of nothing uh, to say about y'all this upcoming season. But the winner of this division, we already know who's going to win, the New England Patriots. They've been running the division for the past 21 years, so I expect nothing else to change that much uh, in that division. And next, in the last division we're going to look at in the, in the AFC is the AFC West with the AFC West. Uh, let's look into the San Diego, Char not San Diego, I'm sorry, <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers. They have a great offense. And one of the keys is, will Gordon get traded uh, because he's holding out at the moment? Will they pay him? That's still going on right now. Rivers is still a, a good quarterback. And they have a nice second option in, Mel in Melvin Gordon on comeback in Austin Eckler. And they have one of the best receiving cores in the league with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Benjamin at receiver. They have a nice tight end in, in, Hunter, in Hunter Henry. He's back from injury. And they have one of the, the best pair of defensive ends in the league with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Well, Melvin Ingram may have Casey Hayward at a, at a, as a good cornerback, but they are going to miss Derwin James for the most of the season with a, a foot fracture. So the defense may take a step back until he comes back later on in the year. And the next team is the Kansas City Chiefs. No, they have no flaws offensively. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. I'm still trying to come up with a name for Patrick Mahomes, like a nickname. Usually, I like nicknaming my favorite players. I did come up with the biracial bomber because he has a, you know, he could throw the ball 70 yards, but the word bomber, you know, in, this, in today's climate, I don't think that's a good idea. Or also, I just call him Patty Touchdowns. And can he follow his MVP season up? Um, to be honest, like he threw 50 touchdowns last year and 5,000 yards, and he could throw for 45 touchdowns this year and 4,500 yards. And technically, he had he's had a down year, so I expect him to have touchdowns in the high 30s or low 40s. And he have uh, Damian Williams at running back, and with the addition of Rashawn McCoy a couple of days ago, and they have one of the fastest receiving duos in the league with. Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins in the best tight end in the league and Travis Kelsey. And the key to the season is his defense. We know the offense is going to show up. They lost Justin Houston and D Ford off the D line, but they added a honey badger at secondary and a new defensive coordinator. So basically any improvement defensively will be good. And next is the Denver Broncos with the addition of Joe Flacco, Flacco, an upgrade from quarterback for the past few years. They have a great dual threat running back and Peyton went not Peyton Lindsay and uh I think his name is Peyton I want to assume it's Peyton Lindsay. If I'm wrong, someone please correct me. And they also have great backups in Royce Freeman and Booker. 
And they have a young receiver in Sutton and a veteran and Emmanuel Sanders. And they always have a stout defense with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller coming off the edge. And the key to the season is the quarterback play Joe Flacco. I had him as a dark horse to win the division maybe, possibly win some games. I'd say 8-8 eight and eight probably. Uh, probably spoiler to either the Chiefs or the Chargers. And lastly, in the division we're going to look at is the Oakland Raiders. Far one, besides the Browns, one of the more, more interesting off-seasons with the addition of Antonio Brown, a receiver, and it was highlighted on HBO Hard Knocks. And they also have a great rookie running back in Josh Jacobs. And the key to the season is the ability to generate a pass rush. And they suffered from that last year after trading Khalil Mack. I think they were last in the league in quarterback sacks. And also the quarterback play... For Derek Carr, there have been reports that, you know, Derek Carr may not be John Gruden's guy. Maybe he wants to get rid of him before they move to Oakland in a couple of years. But we'll see where that goes. And the winner of this division, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, they have no flaws offensively. The offense is going to keep them in the games. If the defense, you know, the defense um, lacks, slacks behind. I uh, feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to have another great year and improve on a little things um, from last year. So I had the Chiefs winning that division. It'll be close between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I think last year both of them got in with twelve with twelve wins, but I think the Chiefs are gonna narrowly escape this time and win the division for the second year in a row. And for the playoff teams, um, like I said, uh, I had the division winners, the Texans, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Patriots, and a few dark horses I had for the playoffs were the Chargers, Browns, Jaguars, and Ravens, but I've had to choose two. I'll pick the Chargers. I feel like even if Melvin Gordon don't play, they were still productive last year when he missed. I think they said he missed four games last year. And you look at the stats last year, they were more productive as an offense without Melvin Gordon in the lineup. And I feel like since if he doesn't play, they're like, hey, we already played without him. We're still a formidable team without one of our best players. And the last playoff team is going to get the wild card spot. I have the Cleveland Browns. They're just too loaded offensively. I think. I think they're going to make some noise and finally make the playoffs for the first time in a few years. But now we're going to look into the other conference, the NFC, when we come back. Okay, looking into the NFC now. We're going to take a look at the NFC North with the Green Bay Packers. Can Aaron Rodgers stay healthy this season? He's been injured the past couple years. I think two years ago he had a collarbone injury that made him miss half the season. And last year he had a knee injury. That he didn't miss no games. You could tell that injury was messing with him throughout the season. And he, he do have a top five receiver in Devontae Adams and a group of young ascending receivers with Ger- Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantley. And they need some production from J- their tight end, Jimmy Graham, because Jimmy Graham is a reliable tight end, but he had a down year last year. And the key to the season is the defense. Can they make any improvements defensively? I think the Packers will be good. Next in the division, the Chicago Bears. The key to the season is Mitchell Trubisky's progression because he showed major improvements from his first year to his second year. And they did lose their running back, Jordan Howard, but they do got a capable replacement and Tariq Cohen. And you know the defense is going to already be fine, probably the top defense in the league. And next on the in the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. The key to the season is Kirk Cousins' quarterback play. Can he make the big-time throws when the team needs him? Because the offense is great. Probably tops in the league. You got Kirk Cousins, the quarterback. Dalvin Cook, a running back. He will be healthy coming coming off an ACL injury from a couple years ago. And to me, the best receiving duo in the league, you take the top two receivers from each team and put them all, you know, all next to each other. I think they have the best duo with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And you have Kyle Rudolph, who's a reliable tight end. And can the defense bounce back 
after a lackluster year this past season. And last in the division, the Detroit Lions. I compare Matt Stafford similar to Kirk, Kirk Cousins. He, they both can put, put up the stats, but at the end of the game, where a throw needs to be made, they can't make the throw to win the game. They have good depth at running back with on Johnson, C.J. Anderson, and Theo Riddick, and a great receiver duo in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. And they also traded for Danny Amendola, which would be a good pickup. But to be honest, I'm not expecting much from the Lions this year. Um, to be honest with you, and my division winner for the NFC North, this may surprise some people. This is probably my probably what the hell pick out of all the picks. But I have the Minnesota Vikings winning the division. I feel like on all phases of the ball, they're the best in, in the division. And like I said, Kirk Cousins need to step up and make the big time throws to win the game. And I think he could, if he could step his game up this year, the Vikings could take take the NFC North title. The next division we're going to look at is the NFC South. We're going to start off with the New Orleans Saints. One of the favorites to win the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl. They have an elite quarterback. And Drew Brees and an elite running back at Alvin Kamara and one of the top receivers in the league at Michael, Tom- Michael Thomas and added Jared Cook from the Raiders to tight end to help the pass game. And they're bringing back one of the top defenses in the league. But they did lose Mark Ingram, so Kamara is going to get majority of the workload. But can he handle it? I think he could, he could handle it because they did add Latavius Murray as his backup. So they're probably split the carries like Mark Ingram and Kamara did last year. And the key to the season is a reliable second Reliable secondary receiver play because last year Mar- uh, Michael Thomas was targeted seventy percent of the time by Drew Brees. So I feel like with the addition, with with the addition of Jared Cook and their secondary receivers to step up to help him out, and Thomas will get double covered. So he needs a reliable wide receiver number two option. Next is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Key to the season is Jameis Winston's quarterback play, and is he really the future of? the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise. Y'all already know how I feel about Florida State. Some of my friends know I'm not the biggest Jameis Jameis Winston's fan. I feel like he has all the talent, but he lacks the maturity that other quarterbacks have in the league. And also, can their tight end O.J. Howard stay healthy this year to help Jameis Winston out? Next in the NFC South is the Carolina Panthers. Key to the season is Cam Newton. Can can he can he stay consistent in the pocket and stay healthy this year? He's coming off off-season shoulder shoulder off-season shoulder surgery, and he has one of the top backs in the league with Christian McCaffrey. And can Greg Olson stay healthy, too, because he's one of the better tight ends in the league when he's on the field. And it can, and it can they get productivity from the receiver, DJ Moore. He had an okay rookie year, but I expect a better year from him. And they have a great defense as well. The defense is always going to keep him in the games. And last in the division we're going to look at is the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons has all the talent in the world, but they're just missing something, I feel like. it. They have a top 10 quarterback and Matt Ryan, and in my opinion, the top receiver in the league of Julio Jones. You have Devontae Freeman coming back from injury, which will help out the run game. And also you have Sanu and really the wild to round out a, a very good receiving core. But in this division, I feel like it's going to be the Saints division to win this year because um, uh, because I don't, I don't think the Bucs are going to do nothing. I think Carolina may be like a middle-of-the-pack team, 8-8. Eight and eight. And the Falcons, it's going to be between the Falcons and the Saints, but I think the Falcons are going to, not the Falcons, the Saints are going to edge them out and win the division again. And then moving on to the NFC East, probably one of the tougher divisions in the league with the Philadelphia Eagles. The key to the season is Carson Wentz's health. The last two seasons he was doing good, but toward the end of the season, he got hurt and he had to miss the rest of the game. So Nick Foles had to come in. And they're adding Jordan Howard at running back, which is a good 
which is a good pickup because last year most of the running backs got hurt. And they bring back Deshaun Jackson from the Tampa Bay Bucks as a deep threat. And they have the top top one of the top tight ends in the league in Zach Ertz. You have left tackle Jason Peters coming back healthy. And you have Malik Jackson to buff up the buff up an already stacked defensive line. And the secondary is coming back healthy this year too. And next in the division, we're going to look at is the Dallas Cowboys. Key to the season is Dak Prescott. Is Can he prove to the league that he is a top 10 quarterback? Is he the real deal you know, to be in that top 10 list? They have a top three running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who finally signed. And they have Amari Cooper for an entire year uh, to help the pass game. And, and they do have an improving defense with Lawrence on the defensive line. And a great duo of running back, not running backs, linebackers with Jalen Smith and Wayne Vanderesh. And then we're going to look at the New York Giants. I don't expect that much from the Giants this year. Um, Elon Bailey, he fell off a cliff, so we may see Daniel Jones sometime this year. Uh, Barkley may lead the league in overall touches this year at running back. He may have 100 receptions this year. And he, in my opinion, he may actually break the running back receiving record, uh, the running back record for receptions in the season with 106 set by Christian McCaffrey a couple of years ago. And he's the only, to be honest, he's the only offensive threat they have since um, Odell Beckham Jr. left. But they do have capable receiver in, in um, Sternway Shepard and Evan Ingram and tight end. But um, health has been a big, op- has been a big obstacle for those two in the past couple of years. And lastly, in the division we're going to look at is the Washington Redskins. What, when will Haskins start? Because Case Keenan was named a starter for um, opening day. Haskins may start sometime throughout the season because Alex Smith suffered that gruesome career-threatening injury. Um, will Jordan Reed be able to stay healthy because he's a productive tight end when he's healthy? And like, like the Giants, I don't expect nothing this year. This is a two-team race in this division. And the winner of this division, I have I had the Philadelphia Eagles winning this division because I feel like if you just look at it unit by unit, they have better – I say – I say eat like, you know, quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, secondary. I feel like the Eagles are better in all those aspects than the Cowboys. And to me, the only thing the Cowboys have over the Eagles is a is the running back position. And the last division we're going to look into in the NFC is the NFC West. And we're going to start off with uh, my Los Angeles Rams. They're coming off the Super Bowl loss to the New England Patriots. And the key to this season is definitely Todd Gurley's health. I have in my notes load management question mark. You know, in the LA sports scene, load management is a popular term to use nowadays. You have Jared Goff, who's imp- who improved that quarterback, and he just signed a contract extension. But to me, he has to get better throwing the ball without using the play fake. Now, Todd Gurley may be limited. He has to, you know, throw the ball deep without without the play fake, and he did, and he did struggle with that in the Super Bowl loss. But he has all the tools for a franchise quarterback. He has a big arm good decision-making, and he's mobile when he needs to be. And to me, they have the the best receiving core in the league. If he's going just the depth, put up each wide receiver depth chart, to me, they have the best. You have Brandon Cooks, you have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds. You have Cooper Cup coming back from injury. And you know, my friends already know, I got to show love to the white slot receiver. They're always Mr. Reliable. And, and, Cooper, come, and Cooper Cup coming back from injury will be a big help because – Jared Goff's stats did take a little dip after Cooper Cup got injured and missed the re- <coughs> excuse me and missed the rest of the season. And on the defensive side of the ball, they lost in Dominican Sue, which would be a big loss. But they still have, but they still have Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers on the defensive line, and he had Littleton Fowler at linebacker with the addition to Clay Matthews from the Green Bay Packers, and they do have a key to lead coming back healthy. 
at cornerback along with Marcus Peters, and they added safety Eric Weddle to buff up the secondary. Next in the division we're going to look at is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson signed a big contract this offseason also. They did lose Doug Baldwin to retirement, and they did add rookie receiver DJ Metcalf from the from the University of Ole Miss. And do have Bobby Wagner running the defense in the, in the addition to the J of J sorry, I can't speak today. The addition of Jadavion Clowney is a big help also. I predict them to make a, a push for the playoffs this year again. And then next in the in the division, we'll look at the San Francisco 49ers. The key to the season is Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback play. They have depth in running back now with Tevin Coleman from the Falcons uh, and Matt and, and Matt Breida, who was a pretty good fantasy running back last year. And they have a young group of wide receivers and a top three tight end, in my opinion, and George Kittle. And they did both of the defensive line this year by adding D Ford from the Chiefs and drafting Nick Bosa with a second overall pit to help the defense out. And the last team we're, we're going to look at in the division is the Arizona Cardinals. They drafted Kyle Murray, the number one overall pick from the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, David Johnson coming back from injury, hoping for a bounce back year. Yeah, Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk at receiver to help. And they added Terrell Suggs to help Chandler Jones out on the defensive line. And in this division, I have I have the Rams winning this division again. Uh, to me, they're probably like I said, they're probably the best all-around team in the division. Each team has well, every team has flaws, but I think each team each team has some rebuilding to do, like the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. And with the Seahawks, I feel like of head to head, you know, unit per unit, the Rams had the better is better overall as a team. And my playoff teams in the NFC, as of course, the division winners, the Minnesota Vikings, the Orleans Saints, Eagles, and the Rams. And I'm not gonna lie, the wild card team was hard to pick this year because the NFC is a stacked conference of teams I may have in the hunt as the Bears, Packers, Panthers, Falcons, Dallas, and the Seahawks. But I do have the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys rounding it off in the wild card spots. And now we're going to look into my MVP and Super Bowl predictions. Okay, we're going to look into some of the NFL offseason awards and predict who's going to win them. First is offensive play of the year. Offensive play of the year and MVP can be won by two separate players. Because usually, if you win Offensive Play of the Year, you win MVP. In 2017, Todd Gurley won Offensive Play of the Year, but Tom Brady won MVP. So it can't be won by two separate players. And for Offensive Play of the Year, I have a few people I think is going to be in the running. I have Patrick Mahomes, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, and Carson Wentz. To me, I think Alvin Alvin Kamara is going to win Offensive Play of the Year because he has an elite quarterback thrown into him. And since Michael Thomas is going to be double teamed a lot this season now, you'll have Alvin Kamara running it out of the backfield, catching it out of the backfield, and even lining up, lining up in the slot and catching a few passes too to help the Saints. And the defensive play of the year, some of the people I think are in the running is Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, Darius Leonard, and Von Miller. But to be honest, this it's probably a two-horse race for this award between Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. And I have Aaron Donald winning defensive play of the year for the third straight year. And to me, Aaron Donald, best defensive player in the league, and arguably, arguably one of the best players in the league. He can block him with one guy, two guys, chip him. He's still going to set a quarterback and disrupt the play. But now to the MVP of the league. Once again, a few, a few of the people I think is going to be in the running is 
Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes, Alvin Kamara, Tom Brady, and Ezekiel Elliott. But I think with this one, I, well, technically, I originally had Andrew Luck win the MVP, but since he's retired, I had to go back and change my change my choice. So I say I'm gonna have to give it to Drew Brees this year to win MVP because because I think he he hasn't won MVP yet in his illustrious career. And I feel like Patrick Mahomes, like I said, he threw 50 touchdown passes last year. So he could throw 45 next year and, and uh, he'll have a down year. And I think the last person to win back-to-back MVPs was Peyton Manning in the late uh, 2000s. But I do have Drew Brees breaking through and finally winning a well-deserved MVP award. But now to my Super Bowl pick. This was a tough, a tough decision. A lot of good teams uh, can make it to the big game this year. But this... This year, my Super Bowl pick is going to be the Saints versus the Chiefs. I feel like the Saints are going to come back hungry this year after that, quote, pass interference call, unquote, that happened against the Rams last year. I wanted to pick the Rams, but to me, like Todd Gurley's health is a big question mark. They said he's good, he's ready to go, but you wouldn't know until you watch, you know, watch him play beginning of the season. And on the AFC side, I picked the Chiefs because... I feel like the Chiefs are, is going to learn from their mistakes from last year. They improved deep improved defensively because to be honest that part I watched in the game last year was their defense against Tom Brady and the Patriots and I feel like the Chiefs can finally break through that wall and go to the Super Bowl but now let's end this episode with college football pick'em college football pick'em last week I did pretty good I went nine and one in my picks last week, thank you to South Carolina for losing to North Carolina for that being the only blemish on my record. But let's start it off with this week. This week, we have two teams making their college football pick em debut with Cincinnati versus Ohio State. You have Cincinnati, who's a dark horse group of five contending team to make the New Year's Six Bowl, led by head coach Luke Fickle, who's a former Ohio State coach and former Ohio State player. And they're coming off an 11-win season, one of the best seasons in program history. And they're going against Ohio State. You have Justin Fields coming off an impressive debut game last week. But I feel like this game is going to be close to begin with, and Ohio State is going to pull away at the end and win this game. So I have Ohio State winning. Next on the list, we're going to look into a Big 12 versus SEC matchup with West Virginia versus Missouri. And West Virginia did struggle to win against the FCS school and James Madison. No disrespect to James Madison, one of the top FCS schools in the country, but it did struggle to win that game 20 to 13. And yeah, Missouri, even though they did lose in the upset against Wyoming, they were still the they were still able to generate offense with over 400 yards passing from Kelly from Kelly Bryant, a transfer from Clemson University. And I feel like they're, they're, they're going to be able to get the offense going against a weak West Virginia defense. So have Missouri winning that game. And next, we're going to look to an SEC Big Ten matchup with Vanderbilt versus Purdue. Yeah, Vanderbilt coming off a loss to Georgia. I think they struggled offensively, only was able to score six points in the contest. And yet Purdue coming off a last-second loss to Nevada to open up their college football season. But I think the key to this game will be I want to say he's a wide receiver, running back. He's one of the do-it-all players. Uh, Rondell Moore from Purdue, one of the more, most exciting players to watch, but he's underrated because he plays for you know Purdue. So I had Purdue picking up the victory with the help of him for the first win of the season. And the next game is one of the big games, marquee games for the weekend, Texas A&M versus Clemson. I originally picked Texas A&M as my upset pick of the week versus Clemson. But I feel like this game was played in uh, – 
College Station, uh, I will pick Texas Texas A&M in this game because Kelly Mond is improving the quarterback. But they are playing this game at Clemson, and I feel like Trevor Lawrence has something to prove from an okay outing in their first game last week. And it's going to be a raucous crowd, so I have Texas A&M. Not Texas A&M, have Clemson winning the game. They are favored by 17, but I don't think it's going to be closer than 17 points. But Clemson's going to pull out the victory. Next, we're going to look into an ACC matchup, Miami versus North North Carolina. With this game, I have North Carolina winning the game because Miami did struggle protecting the quarterback against Florida. I think the quarterback was sacked, I want to say, 10 times in this game. And he did, and he was able to make some mistakes make some mistakes in the game too. But I feel like North Carolina, they're coming off that uh, victory off South Carolina. And I think that they, they looked revitalized underneath Matt Brown. So I have North Carolina taking the victory. And now we're going to look into the group of five, two teams. We're going to look into UAB, University of Alabama, and Birmingham taking on the Akron Zips. In this game, I picked UAB to win this game. Uh, they're coming off one of the best seasons season of program history last year and they came back strong after being disbanded a couple year go, years ago and they got reinstated a couple reinstated and I feel like they've just been on a high ever since so I have them winning against Akron next we have an SEC matchup Ole Miss versus Arkansas well this one was a little tough to pick because both of them are lower tier SEC teams you have uh, Arkansas who struggled to win against I forgot what school they played against, but it was a smaller school, but they struggled to win that game. You have Ole Miss coming off a loss against Memphis. And Memphis is one of the top AAC teams. I think AAC is Atlantic American Conference or something like that. They are one of the top teams in that conference and a group of five. So that's not a battle loss of Ole Miss part. But Ole Miss will be at home. I thought they could generate offense against Candace. So I have against, against Arkansas. I'm sorry. So I have Ole Miss winning that game. And next, we're going to look into a Pac-12 matchup with Cal versus Washington. I have Washington winning this game. Jacob Beeson coming off a huge game last last week, 400 yards, four touchdowns. And Cal was one of the lower-tier Pac-12 teams. So I do have Washington winning that game easily. And next is Nebraska versus Colorado. Well, this one was hard to pick. Uh, when Nebraska did struggle against... South Alabama and Colorado did win their game. It's, it's weird because Nebraska's favored by five, but ESPN got Colorado winning the game. I'm going to roll with Colorado to pull the mile upset against the ranked Cornhuskers. And lastly, my upset pick of the week. My upset pick of the week is the marquee game of the week. I have Texas beating LSU in Austin. Okay, with this pick, I'm going to be completely honest. I am not confident in this pick. Last week's upset pick of the week with Boise State over Florida State, I was a perfect 10 out of 10 on the confidence level. With this one, I'm at like a, a 4 on the confidence level. And with this game, this game could go either way. It could be a, a close Texas victory, like a 27-24 victory, or it's going to be an LSU blowout, 44-17. to I think the key to this game is Sam Ellinger's passing because Sam Ellinger is one of the better mobile quarterbacks. In the nation, I feel like LSU is going to try to stop Ellinger for running the ball and, and have him beat him with his arm, which he didn't improve in the offseason. So I feel like Sam Ellinger's passing is going to lead Texas to victory. So I have Texas upsetting LSU in my upset pick of the week. Book it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. 
I greatly appreciate y'all taking time on y'all day to get this podcast to listen. Please like, subscribe, share this podcast, support the podcast, tell your family, tell your friends about the podcast, and see y'all next week. Same time, same place. Y'all have a good one.